I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast, and I'm sitting alongside your author of today's Thoughts on Money blog, and that's none other than Mr. Blaine Carver. Good morning. And of course, got to have Mr. Sean Latimer in here. Hello. Got to be the triad. Hello, hello. Good job, Blaine. Thank you. Blaine, intro us. Uh, you wrote a cool little intro about risk and about your daughter and how one risk is not okay mm-hmm. and another risk was, and kind of walk us through that. Sure. Well, we are all dads and dads of three young children. And so the other day uh, I was dropping my three-year-old daughter off at preschool and uh, unbuckle her seatbelt, take her out of the car, and she darts across the parking lot. She saw a friend and just went for it. Oh. And I know, shudders. Yeah. And I immediately sprinted, was yelling, grabbed her by the arm, you know, told her that that's not okay. She looks all surprised too. She, yeah, she's like, What's surprised. Wrong with you, Dad? We've done this, you know, a hundred times yeah. before. But bottom line, that's something I'm not okay with, as a dad with. I, like, I'm not going to take that risk to let any of my children run across a parking lot. So that's a risk that was not okay. Later that day, we wait. Have this. You got to get a little Trevor story quick. I'll make it short. Okay, I want to hear it. Mother's Day. I'm nine years old. My mom's at work. I had this habit of going outside in front of my house. I had one of those little 16 inch bikes. I'd put one foot on the pedal, and I would like three, two, one, go, and I'd sprint on my bike to my friend's house. I think his name was Jason across the street, across a busy street. Oh no! Just tunnel vision. Got smashed by a car. Oh no! Uh, no helmet. I didn't have a helmet or anything. My sister saw me. She said I flew like. 20 feet. I was, I mean, I've been short my whole life and I was really small when I was a little kid, broke my tibia and my fibula in my leg, oh my had goodness. a cast forever. So how there old, you go. How old are you? I think I was nine. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's yeah, the worst My nightmare. mom came, turned down the street to come home and she saw an ambulance and oh no. she's like, no, no. And then she came over and she saw my sister and she's like, it's going to make me cry. I don't know why I'm going to cry. And then I remember... I was so scared. I had uh, sequential casts, but I was so scared to get the first cast off because they have that like little saw, and the guy's like showing me. Yeah. So to make me feel better, they put a cast on my bear. I got a little stuffy in the uh, – uh, that's my kids call it. I got a little stuffed yeah. animal in the ambulance, and then when I got my cast on, they put a cast on the bear too. So. Oh. <laughs> Jeez, that's <laughs> so an intense go. story. Did your friends sign the cast? Yeah, both oh, of yeah. them, yeah. I, the teddy bear's probably somewhere. You know what's so funny? Like – Looking back, I was like, oh, whatever, like when I was younger. And now I'm like, how did I not die? Yeah. No helmet getting hit going. Wow. Somebody hit me going like 30 miles an hour. And I think it's because like we're all parents too. So like when you're younger, it's that was like a crazy fun story or whatever. But mm-hmm. now as a parent, it just like puts that terrible feeling in your stomach, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, we can be the first ones that arrive at church and my boys know like... <laughs> Both of you grab a hand. You're yeah. not walking to yeah. the parking lot alone. Our, our girls uh, hold on to one side of the stroller of our infant. So that's their deal. It's always a negotiation. My five-year-old's always like, can I just walk next to you if I promise to walk next to you the whole time? I'm like, no, you're going to hold my hand <laughs> yeah. until you're 18. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that risk, obviously, we're all on the same yeah, page. But there was okay another that. risk uh, that you brought up, uh, which I think is a good juxtaposition yep. of looking at how uh, this is okay, but that is not okay. Yeah, exactly. So later that day, we have this mini little pink skateboard. I think we got it on offer up or something. And I saw her playing with it. She had her helmet on and I'm looking at her. You know, she's a toddler. So her coordination skills are severely lacking. And so... Get on that, dad. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. 
And uh, clearly, I knew she was going to get hurt at some point. She's going to fall off, do something. Sure enough, a few minutes into it, she, you know, the skateboard wheels go under her and she falls on her backside and gets a little scratch, a little whimper. But then she got up and she did it again. And so in a sense, I took, I guess, a little bit of a risk to let her play with that because I I never want to see her get hurt. But I stopped myself and realized, you know what? Nothing too bad can come of this. Like, this is a risk I'm willing to take. Calculated. Yep. Calculated. Exactly. And so that's the juxtaposition of the two risks that day. It's funny seeing them, and then we'll get back to finances, but it's funny seeing little kids learn about balance because mine have those scooters that have the two wheels up front and the one in the back. Mm-hmm. And now Shepard has like mastered it. So now he likes to do like tricks. So he was in the cul-de-sac. He's like, watch dad, no hands. So he takes both hands off and leans his chest against the front, but then all his weight is forward and he just goes <laughs> oh, tumbling no. forward. And I, I go grab him and he's like all cut up. And I'm like, you gotta think about weight distribution, buddy. Like, <laughs> you can't have all 48 pounds of you on the front of a tiny little scooter. Oh man, I'm just thinking of all the times I've watched my kids now fall off something and i and it's always of course like hey don't do that it's gonna hurt and like no i'll be fine and it's always the next time and uh whether it's crashing on their bike or falling face planting on a skateboard and yeah it doesn't stop it Mm -hmm. continues now let's compare our clients to kids yeah how does this work (laughs) when we are talking to investors yeah so as investors the the point of the article what i'm trying to get across is that when we talk to investors, whether they're clients or not, I think, and, and I would like to hear your opinions too. I think what clients are really trying to get at when they say the word risk or try to define a risk is they're really talking about a short term, sh- like a sharp downward movement in their money. And that could be 3% for some clients. It could be 25%. But in my case, it's almost always a short term phenomenon. Would you guys agree? I think that we, we've talked about risk in the past as a possibility of a permanent loss of capital. So you make an investment, something goes sideways, and that money's now gone. I, I think that that's how I would define risk. Mm-hmm. Volatility, I, I don't look at as risk. Price mm-hmm. is moving up and down. And uh, it's kind of interesting because when you do talk to clients, and even in, if they're investing in something that we would both or all deem something risky, you know, a family, friends, like restaurant or something like that, uh, normally those... Uh, those kind of pie in the sky investments that the problem is they know that that carries real risk. There's a chance they're not going to get their principal back. But, uh, and so if you do encourage something like that, it's normally a small percentage of their portfolio because it's the calculated risk, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, worst case scenario, if you lose 3%, like, okay, but that doesn't move the needle in their eyes or excite them as much. So then they, I've noticed that when people want to bet on something like that, which I don't have a better word for, it's normally bigger percentages, and that's hard to be kind of like, time out, time out. So we agree that this could go south and disappear. And they yes, then why would we want to do a larger percentage than I guess I'm comfortable with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're using the definition of risk of this permanent loss of capital. Mm-hmm. I don't have a definition, but I think it's probably somewhere in the realm of if this portfolio risks you doing something silly, then we should recreate it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's probably more in the behavioral side. And I yeah. think, you know, Sean's been on meetings with me or whatnot. I, I think I come off as a pessimist. I'm not. 
like I am an optimist, but I just really want to make sure somebody understands the path that they're on. I loved, and I already told you this, I loved your analogy of the binoculars because I think uh, my, my boys love playing with binoculars. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when you put a pair on and one of them like jumps right in front of your face. It's just like this blurry thing yeah. you can't make vision of. And that's how binoculars work. They're, they're built for uh, a long horizon, right. right? They're not built for, I think you called it the foreground. Yeah. And I think portfolios are the same. They're yep. built for a long horizon. And I'm going to tee you up because I think the risk sure. you're talking about is a little different than what Sean's talking about. You're talking about a risk of you might think you're safe, 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 safe. Mm-hmm. And then on the back end, you're like, uh-oh, um, yeah. I wish I would have done something different 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, there's this allure of of safety, especially in today's you know, we could call it a relatively high interest rate environment where money market funds are somewhere around 5% or CDs. And it seems safe. And again, I think it's because our definition of risk is often the possibility of a short-term downward movement. And you don't have that risk with money market funds. But what I'm trying to point out is that if you do look 10, 20, 30 years, which most of us listening are probably long-term investors, the fact is, there's no potential price appreciation or growth of that income over time, which leads to a couple things. Number one, the loss of purchasing power. So a cup of coffee coffee is going to probably double in the next 20 or 25 years, depending on the inflation rate. And so how is your income going to keep up with that? Yeah, I think it's interesting too. Sean and I touched on this the other day. I don't know the exact numbers, but I think I'm going to get within the right zip code. The most traditional 60-40 portfolio probably did something in the mid double digits uh, teens last year, mm-hmm. 14, 15%. I'm, I'm assuming. Yep. So somebody that sat on the sidelines in money market that felt that safety, the opportunity cost was probably 10%. Yeah. So it was like another two years of those interest payments. Mm-hmm. I just don't think people frame it that way. Um, they frame it like uh, like my, my one of my boys and I, we play Frogger. And he waits too long. And I'm like, dude, you have to start going because you have a timer and things like that. And it feels like investors sometimes will sit on their hands a long time. They're like, I'm getting my whatever guaranteed percent. And it's like yeah. your your financial plan needs more than that. And I like yeah. how you touched on because of inflation and taxes. Yeah, we've talked about that in the past that the hard part about going in and out of the market is you have to be right in your own opinion multiple times. You have to go out of the market at the right time and then you're guessing when to go back in and with That's higher the part yeah with higher interest rates you're like oh i'm really comfortable right now yeah. so i i don't really have to do anything but to trevor's point you you might have to or you should have you know years ago yeah like we just talked about a, a 60 40 portfolio again we don't know the exact number but let's say it's a three million dollar portfolio and they left 10% on the table on what they should have owned, right? Um, you know, that's 300 grand. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not money you find in the couch cushion and you can imagine on your own expenses whatever if you're a 3 million dollar portfolio, that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. And there's no uh, take backs. No, 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 no. <laughs> I actually take me back in time. I want this portfolio instead of that portfolio. And it's not like comparing like, oh, if only I would have invested in ABC company, my money would have doubled in this period. We're just talking about the difference of a few percentage points compounding over time can make a really big difference. Yeah, I was doing a meeting with another advisor the other day. We looked at a client. I don't know how long it's been invested, but a fair amount of time, like seven or eight years. And I looked at the rate of return and it was, um, again, the numbers don't matter a ton, but it was somewhere Mm -hmm. in the realm of 8%. And their financial plan only needed like five or six percent. And I was like, hey, in markets in that time period, it's not like markets were 
booming. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it was, I was able to tell the client, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like you're outpacing what the expectations of your financial plan. And I, again, disclaimer for our listeners, the, the percentages don't matter. I'm yeah. just trying to build context on your financial plan has a design and big word, an expectation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, your portfolio needs to do what? Fill the objectives of that financial plan. And I can't say that enough on this podcast. I feel like I say it every week. Yeah. And those those expectations are huge, but it's so unknown in the short term, which is kind of what I was getting at with the, you know, blurred foreground, but the, you know, the horizon should be clear in our binoculars. Um, I'm just going to share that. I didn't share this in the article, but since 1950, um, the worst calendar year return for the S&P 500, it was down 37%. So that's mm-hmm. very unclear, right? Yeah, that's, that's uh, scary. But then if you go to a five-year rolling period since 1950, the worst five-year rolling period, it was down 2% per year. And the worst 20-year period, the S&P was up 6% per year. That's the worst 20-year period yeah, since so 1950. Yeah, so if you build a financial plan looking at those probabilities and anchoring towards uh, a reasonable return, knowing you're not going to own most time all stocks. Yep. Um, that's where people have to, to anchor to. And uh, I think you're, I think you're onto something. Mm. It's hard too because they, they have to have trust in the plan because like you just pointed out, depending on the time frame you choose, that average rate of return may be lower than what the plan needs or what they expected. And if they try to jump ship, probably a bad time to go and make changes uh, so it, it takes confidence and trust in the actual plan itself to stick with it for a long period of time timing's a funny thing because people don't always realize we're on their they're on the positive side of it they just become like emmett from lego right the lego movie is like everything is awesome you know like we've 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 had those opportunities where people started as clients and like march of 2020 you know after a 37 percent drawdown on yeah. the market and they're like man this is awesome, like all this. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, a little bit credit to your timing, you know what I mean? Yeah. D- depending on when you start measuring things, it can definitely impact your your perspective. Yeah, 2020 specifically was unique because you might know the percentage is better than me, but I think we're down 34% in about a month. But then if you actually look January 1 to, I think, August 1st, I think the S&P was actually positive. So. I, by the end of the year, I think it was up 18% on yeah, the year. Yeah. So I, I don't remember what the drawdown was. You're probably right. It's probably 34. I'm probably taking the 37 from 2008. Again, getting within the right zip codes, but yeah. just trying to give people an understanding of how uh, markets can behave. Yeah. You guys remember all the letter recovery?s This is going to be a V recovery. Yes. A K. Oh, no, a w. <laughs> it's going to be a W. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Some of them, I was like making the hand symbols with my my hands. I was like, wait, what is that? I think somebody said something like K or something. I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, wait a huh. dick. Well, how, how does that do you, even work? How do you get a K sense. shape? Uh. Well, um, one of the things that you talked about in the article. You talked about, uh, which people are pretty familiar with, this idea of the slow boil. And like, um, as uh, morbid as this is, uh, if you put a frog in boiling <laughs> water, about frogs, supposedly he jumps out. And supposedly if you put him in jacuzzi temp and just turn it up, uh, you're eating frog legs. But tell us a little bit more on how that related to investors. Yeah, I just think we don't think about the slow boil. This idea that we were so accustomed to jumping away from, from the the boil, the, the, you know, hot, the pain, if you will, the volatility of the market. But we often don't think about the 10, 20, 30 years from now, what are the real risks that far out? And I said in the article, but I, I think the two largest risks, if, if you look long-term, are loss of purchasing power, 
so inflation, um, and taxes, not planning for taxes. And I, I just think um, being able to sustain growth of income, a growth of income greater than that of inflation, but it has to be after tax, I think that's the most important thing, especially for retirees. Taxes is a funny one to me because I criticize this a lot, but the system we have to create personal balance sheets uh, in our country is kind of funny mm-hmm. because it just shows your 401k or your retirement account. And it doesn't show that there's like a partnership there that the United States government, whatever state you live in owns part of that retirement account. Mm-hmm. I'm being cheeky, but what I'm saying not, is not a very good partnership. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's that silent partner that's going to take some of that out in mm-hmm. taxes. So if you look at your effective tax rate being 25% and you're looking at something that says, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a millionaire. I have a million dollars, in my 401k. Like in reality, you have 750000 right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. on the balance sheet, it shows that number. That can be tricky for people. Anytime we have to do multiple steps of math in our head, mm-hmm. uh, we get a little bit lost. Yeah, this is kind of just tongue-in-cheek, but uh, when you mentioned inflation, uh, you guys remember when we would talk about inflation all the time at 2% and everyone just kind of laughed? And then inflation became a main headline mm-hmm. for... Uh, now it's almost on the other side, uh, the pendulum swung, where I have people say like, oh, my costs increase... Like they're like doubling every year. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, well, my eggs cost more. And I'm like, all right, time out. Like you can't choose one category, you know, but, uh, I just thought it was, as you were saying that, it made me think of that. Yeah. I did go to the grocery store the other day. I'm not lying. And this was not Costco. I went to the grocery store and it was $510. And I looked at the lady and I was like, this is your largest ticket item today. She's like, yes, by far. Wow. Yeah. I don't, I mean. Show off. No. uh, It was at Stater Brothers. I don't, I don't even know. I I think we. Those prime cuts. No. no. It's the meat. The meat. I wish that was true. No, we just got a bunch of like, uh, household items, right? Like. Like what? Uh, no, like Kleenex and paper towels. <laughs> I don't and, think that did it. No, I don't no. know. I'll bring my receipt. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my eggs went up too. So uh, anyway, I, I'm going to kind of wrap us up or kind of take us to the end of your article, which I I actually missed that quote from David, even though I read the white paper. But I like the quote a lot. Um, he, I think he said, a portfolio strategy intended to avoid all downside volatility is one that will miss upside as well. And what a poignant way to kind of say, yes, you could have it not go up and down. You could eliminate volatility, but you also will be eliminating upside. Yeah. Perfectly said. I don't have anything to add. I will say an analogy and Sean will laugh as I share my health problems on this podcast, but I had some dental surgery and they may have overprescribed me on um, antibiotics which uh, that can cause another problem as it takes all the biotics out of your gut. Um, And it's funny how you can try to solve one problem and cause another. And it seems like in this case with David's quote is you're really trying to solve for this uneasiness you get from uh, how markets go up and down. And then the response is perfect. I can stop that, but you don't get any upside. And then people are like, wait a tick. David often says, People want to eat ice cream, uh, really good ice cream with no calories. And uh, if it was true, it would sell a lot, but it's not true. I would true. eat a lot. Yeah. yeah. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Mr. There's Latimer. No free lunch. I was no before you say it's me trying to wrap it up. I was laughing when he was like, I got nothing to add. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, perfect. It's I, easy. You. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything to add, Mr. Latimer? No, I thought Blaine did a great job. I enjoyed reading it and talking about it. Yeah. So for our listeners, we hope you think about risk. What does risk mean to you? And I think if you look, there have been years that lacked volatility. 
Um, and on average, I don't know the exact number, but something like over the last like 30 years, a normal year would be about a 14% drawdown. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that whatever the market saw as its peak um, to its next valley, it was about a 14% drop. Um, that means you might open a statement that, uh, you know, you had a million dollars and then it's $140,000 less, uh, your next statement. So knowing that's the norm, that's also the number that makes people pretty uneasy. Yeah. So I think what you got to look at is you're probably signing up to be either uneasy every year mm-hmm. or making another choice to say, actually, that's normal. Mm-hmm. And what we try to steer clients towards, a lot to do with our investment philosophy, is maybe you're better off focusing on a stability or growing income from dividends than a stability in price, which you're not going to find. So a lot of this is about expectations. Um, There's more to talk about here. So you can email us uh, either Blaine, Trevor, or Sean. Uh, You can reach us at Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsagroup.com. Happy to answer any of your questions. We'll ask that you rate the podcast five stars or preferred. You can also leave comments on the podcast application. Um, And of course, we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts Thoughts on Money. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.